0: It is another glorious
1: Sunday evening. Sunday evening. And at this point on this Sunday evening, wait, am I correct in saying that we'll be in New Orleans or is that the following week? That will be the following week. Okay. We will be preparing for the (laughs) next week, which is
0: New Orleans. I think that's right. I think. Yeah. Now you're making me question my
1: reality. Yes. Yes. This comes out July 11. It's too far. Too far in advance. I'm just excited. I want New Orleans to be here now. But this is Two Girls, One Ghost. Two Girls, One Ghost. And this episode of Two Girls, One Ghost is sponsored by Curology, Third Love, AMC Shutter, Care Of, and Pretty Letter. And we
0: are your ghostesses. That's Corinne.
1: Hello. And I am
0: Sabrina. And this is an Encounters episode where we read your ghost stories that you emailed to us back to you and we chat all about it and come up with wacky weird theories and have a blast doing it Mm
1: -hmm. and i think you guys enjoy listening to them i hope that's the case and also it's july so that means halloween is just less than three months away
0: oh my gosh when you put it that way
1: isn't that crazy oh my gosh july it's so like in the northern part of the hemisphere it's so hot Three months away, I might cry. Three months later, we're wearing costumes. It's chilly. It's spooky. The leaves are turning. We're watching Sandra Bullock and every single movie that she's ever been in.
0: Okay, can we make a promise to each other? Because it's now been a year where we haven't been able to celebrate Halloween together. Can we promise to do it with each other? I'm trying. Yes. Okay. I'm down. I feel like we've talked about so many different fun things to do. And I'm always down to do Salem again because it's a tradition. But like... Are there any other cool, spooky places we can meet up and go to? Like, let's go to the real Halloween town.
1: Oh, oh, Pacific Northwest. Is it in Oregon? Yes. That would be a fun place to be for Halloween. That would be fun. I know, because at first I was like, we should go to Savannah. But then at the same time, when it comes to October, I feel like the foliage season is so uh, short. Yeah. I don't want to pull myself away from it. Yeah. Ever. So I want to stay where the leaves turn.
0: Stay where the leaves turn. It's where we belong.
1: Yes. All right, I'm going to figure out what my costume is going to be. I I regretfully did not write down an idea I had the other day. <laughs> oh, I just remembered it. <laughs> oh, my God.
0: So glad I could be here for you. <laughs>
1: I'm not going to tell you.
0: You never do. Wait, write it down right now. Well, it's something text that, it to yeah, yourself. If we're together, we could probably
1: do it together. But it's one of, yeah. You know, we don't have to talk about something that I'm not actually going to tell anybody about.
0: Yeah, you're like the sneakiest, secretiest Halloween costumer ever ever. <laughs>
1: Anyway, we're not here about costumes now. We'll be here about costumes in a couple months when you guys send us all your suggestions. And we in a couple
0: of weeks? What are you talking about? If it's three months away, we need to start preparing now. We need to. The
1: PSA, please let us know if you have costume suggestions. Yeah, always
0: looking for that. We'll
1: repeat them on here for everybody.
0: Maybe this will be the year I don't plan it the week of, and I like really go all out and plan it months in advance.
1: I really like your your costume ideas though cuz they're just so they're like random. Br- yeah, but my brain doesn't think that way. Like I'm just like, oh, I'm this person or I'm like this reference and you create
0: your own character. I'm like, oh, here's a skeleton onesie that I found that can ship here before Halloween and what's something weird I can do with it? Let me buy also a weird Diagram of body parts that Velcro on and wear it underneath my skeleton.
1: Onesie. Yeah, and then pretend to eat your organs the whole time you're at the bar. <laughs> I forgot about that. <laughs> you were eating
0: your oh, own body. Gosh. So interesting, good time, very Halloween
1: specific. Anyway, let's get to the encounters. Please that sent us in.
0: Please. Okay, so this is a story from Victoria, and it is called "The Clown Ghost." Hey, Sab and Corinne. Oh, I love that. I love that. Victoria called me Sab. Okay. I sent a different ghost story, but I just remembered this one and thought I would also send this too. So this is a story that takes place in my childhood home in Hearst, Texas. This ghost is kind of funny and likes to mess with me and my dad a lot. Not in bad spooky ways, but funny ways and things just to mess with us. So one time, my dad and I were in the kitchen making dinner, but it was just me and him because my mom and sister were in Houston with my grandma. So as we were cooking dinner, and I can't exactly remember what I was doing in the moment, but I remember sitting at the table, and I looked over, and bread that was in a cabinet just flew out of the cabinet and landed on the floor. We thought nothing of it and didn't get a spooky feeling like we normally did if something happened, so we knew it wasn't a darker, negative spirit. Later that night, my dad and I were watching TV, and as we were watching a movie, the channel just changed to a comedy show. The remote was on the coffee table, so no one would have or could have touched it. Again, there was no negative feeling, so we thought nothing of it. At the time, we had a dog named Zoe, and she was just sitting on the recliner chair while we were on the long couch, and when we looked over to her, she was licking the air as if she was licking someone or something's hand. (laughs) And she usually isn't the type of dog to just let anyone pet her or even lick anyone. So I'm guessing the ghost friend was not a bad spirit. This certain ghost is always trying to mess with us in funny, lighthearted ways. We got the message that it wasn't a bad ghost because of my dog. Anyway, thanks for listening. Feel free to read on the podcast. Keep doing what y'all are doing. I love the podcast. Much love, Victoria.
1: This is sweet. It's a great way to
0: start this.
1: This is really, this is. The the nicest encounters we've ever started,
0: <laughs> but Jesse, wait! It's going darker after this.
1: The dog is literally trying to kiss the ghost. I so know. That's when you know it's not just like looking like oh this is odd or following someone. It's truly being the most loving towards this this spirit. It's and amazing. So clearly, her dog trusts her. I love the idea of a ghost befriending a dog. Like that could be a children's book. Yes, and also maybe. Maybe the ghost was just concerned that the dog wasn't watching something that was appropriate for, for the dog. So it was like, let me just switch to a comedy. Like, let's lighten the mood, you know? Like, let's give yeah. it light before we all go to bed.
0: Yeah. I mean, this ghost seems to, like, like things a certain way. Maybe the ghost threw the bread on the ground because the ghost
1: wanted bread. Maybe. Or, again, was trying to get the bread on the ground for the dog to have a chance <gasps> Oh, at my the bread. gosh. They have a little deal. It was like, these people never give – the dog, the people food, and he, this sweet little girl. I'm going to help the
0: dog out. Yep. Wow. Okay. Now I'm just imagining this, these like adventures that the dog and the ghosts go on. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Another children's book. Oh my gosh. This is so fun. It's so great. I, I love, love it. I love it. Oh, wow. Okay. All right. Well, I have one and I don't know if it's as, quite as light as yours, <laughs> but here we go. Could be. It's called Guardian Spirits, and it is sent from Ryan. Hello, my name is Ryan, and let me say that I love your podcast. I love watching paranormal shows on TV, i.e. Dead Files, A-Haunting, Ghost Hunters, anything on Travel Channel. I tend to work midnight shifts and listen to you guys while I work. I feel the only proper way to thank you for making my hours go by is by sharing a couple experiences. That is the best thank you. Oh, yes. I have two stories. The first one belongs to me, and the second is my roommate's. So my experience. When I was younger, I used to have this reoccurring dream slash nightmare. As far as recurring dreams go, it was fairly common. I constantly dreamed that I was falling. They began when I was seven years old, and they always started the same. I was standing on a yellow, dusty cliff overlooking a massive canyon, and there was always someone standing behind me, gazing down onto the canyon floor. I could never get a good look at him. He always remained in my periphery. The only thing. He would ever say to me is, I'll go if you go. And then the ground would disappear from (gasps) under me and I would be falling. Oh. I'd always look up and see this shadowy figure leaning over the side of the cliff, staring in an expectant silence, waiting for something. Though I was always afraid to guess what. I would always try to grab hold of the cliffside as it rushed by A mad scramble to stop myself from meeting the ground that eagerly rushed up to claim me. Always, 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 the cliff was just out of reach. Time had no meaning during this fall. Seconds had probably only passed since the ground gave way, but I felt like it was minutes. I would open my mouth and I would scream for help, but nothing would come out. All there was to me were tears and fear and impending doom. The ground was growing closer, larger, more menacing. I was going to die. And then I would wake up, and I would literally jump awake. My heart would be pounding, and tears would be streaming down my face. The taste of fear was still fresh in my mouth. Oh, my gosh. My room would always be cold, and the shadows would seem darker. This would go on for years, each time I fall in my dream lasting a little bit longer. Oh. Eventually, I would realize that I was in a dream, and I would manage to force myself awake but that became harder and harder to do each time. Usually in my dream, the cliff raced past me as I fell and was just nothing but a blurry outcropping of rocks. But eventually I noticed that what looked like a tree was growing out of the side of the cliff, a solitary branch sticking out just far enough that I might be able to reach out and grab it if I really tried. Some instincts told me that if I ever fell past it and did not grab it, that I would never wake up. But usually I never came very close to that tree. When I was 12, I had the worst... Falling dream yet. It was my mom's weekend to have us, and I was asleep in the room I shared with my grandmother when I visited. This time, the dream didn't start off with me on the cliff. It started with me mid fall. No. The wind was harsher, colder, crueler than it had ever been in the past. It slapped me and beat me and pushed me against the wall before pushing me back into the open air and away from anything I could hold to stop the fall. I was aware that this was a dream. I was aware I needed to wake up. I tried hard to pull myself out of the dream like I always do, mentally trying to feel my physical body sleeping on the bed and not the fake body that was falling. It didn't work this time. Mm -hmm. The only way I know how to describe it is if an error 404, file not found, sign kept popping up in my head. I need to wake up. I need to wake up. It was all I could think. My tree, my point of no return, was approaching fast. "'Faster than it had ever done so before, "'and I tried to grab it as I passed by, "'my hands actually grabbing hold of it. "'The bark was soft like flesh, "'and for a second I saw it not branch on the tree,' but a pale outstretched arm. <gasps> when I grabbed it, everything seemed to still and calm. The wind and its roar vanished. The fear was muted. I remained suspended mid fall, holding onto an arm attached to a withered old tree. Oh my god! chills startled. I let go and immediately the fear and the wind came rushing back. As the tree started slipping past my reach, I knew I was going to die. There would be no waking up this time. I was going to hit the ground. I was going to be dead. My grandma would wake in the morning and discover a dead body in my bed. No one would be able to figure out how I died. My mom would be a hysterical mess, an inconsolable ball of tears. These were all things that I knew would happen. And suddenly the tree moved. Its roots seemed to simply give up and hold on the rock outcropping, allowing it to fall down directly towards me. The arm and branch grabbed hold of my outstretched hand and swung me towards the rock. I closed my eyes, expecting to feel the pain of hitting it, and instead I jumped awake. I was literally gasping for breath, only able to focus on anything but being back in my body in the safety of my bed. I'm looking around the room. I'm still feeling panicked when my eyes landed on the closet. (laughs) The door to it had broken some years ago, so it always remained open. In its dark depths, I could make out a pale, beaten-looking face staring at me. Oh. There was no body attached. It was just a face hovering about five and a half feet off the ground. I could tell that whoever it was was female, and she gave me a brief smile, and then she was simply gone. Needless to say, I was a bit freaked out and also freezing because my room was cold, though that could have been because it was winter and the house didn't have central heat. I spent the rest of the night thinking about that face that I saw and being terrified to look at the closet again. Something about the face seemed so familiar to me. It would hit me a few years later, why? One of my first memories of myself is laying in the crib in the hallway of my mom's house and looking up at two elderly ladies as they looked over me and talked about me. Not once did I feel afraid of them, even though I'd never seen them before, and it was the time of night when everyone else was in bed. One of the ladies looked exactly like the one that was in the closet years later. Ooh. I tried to talk to my mom about it, but she shut me down, and eventually I let the topic fade, and she just chalked everything up to an active imagination of a child. Except two years ago, it came back out of the blue while talking to one of my best friends. She has always been sensitive to the spirit world and would make little comments about her spirit friends. On this particular day, we were hanging out for the last time as she was moving to Oregon within the month, and we both knew that I didn't have plans to return to South Carolina. So we'd begin talking about past lives when she just randomly blurts out, Joe, her spirit friend slash guide, says that there's a woman standing in the corner. She's been here (gasps) for about an hour, but Joe has been making her stay away because he doesn't know what she wants. Oh, my gosh. I have chills again. We both agree that we should find out, and she starts asking questions. We find out that the woman was there for me, just checking in, that she does it for all of her children in her family. That was confusing for me at first because my friend was basically telling me that I was related to the ghost, that her relation to me would be like a grandmother, just not by blood. She pulled you back to your body once. She said you used to have a habit of wandering off when you were younger, and every once in a while, you couldn't find your way back. Oh. Oh my gosh. She writes, I have chills at that. Guess what? Me too. My arms. Yeah, same. I had never told her about the falling dreams or any of the other vivid dreams that I had. I never told her about something pulling me from the dream. And I asked her to describe the woman and the person that she described fit perfectly to the person that was in the closet that person looking down at me as a baby. I've since realized that this lady was my grandfather's first wife, my mom's oldest sister's biological mother. She died in a car crash when my aunt was nine. We believe that after she died, she stayed around to watch over her daughter and then my mom and me and my cousins. Wow. I've since talked to my brothers and my cousins about this, and all of them have stories about seeing her as kids. Whoa. (gasps) And the fact that that memory of her is so clear from yes. when he was a kid in a crib, like that like implanted—that's wild. Yes, and also I'm like, who's the other woman? It must be another,
0: yeah, family member, another
1: grandparent, another family member, maybe her own sister. Yeah. All right, experience two. My roommate, call her Rue, for most of her life has been followed around by a shadow man. I don't think of him as being a bad kind of shadow being, just that for whatever reason, she only sees him in a shadowy form, like he's hiding his identity from her. I knew nothing about him when I moved in with her and her fiance. We just happened to realize that we had a similar interest in the paranormal and we were discussing things that have happened to us. Apparently, at the last place that she lived, there used to be what she called a mimic, Rue's old roommate used to hear Rue calling her name or having a full-blown conversation from the other side of the door only to learn that when she left the room, Rue was not there. It also seemed to like the bathroom and also liked to watch them shower. Oh, She had been telling me about how the mimic really seemed to like her roommate, but the shadow man was indifferent towards her. He really hated, insert name of ex-boyfriend, I refuse to even name. (laughs) Like, (laughs) whoa, hold on, shadow man? I made her stop and tell me about that. Apparently, she'd seen this thing her whole life, but it was the most active when she was dating her ex. She could tell that it hated her ex, and it seemed to go to no end to let her know and to let her ex know that. That's amazing. I don't know the full details, but it apparently tried to spook her ex away. At first, I thought that this sounded like a ghost that was jealous and wanted to keep her to itself. This theory of mine seemed confirmed when I learned that the shadow... Also didn't like her current boyfriend slash baby daddy. It seemed to dislike him less than the ex, though, but it still wasn't very pleased by his presence. It was also apparently very upset when she became pregnant and disappeared completely. Or so she thought. Shortly before I moved in, her boyfriend moved into the house. Bills were going to be cheaper with the three of us paying. He immediately got an eerie feeling about the house, like he was constantly being watched. He always thought he saw someone out of the corner of his eye, but whenever he turned, no one would be there. There was nothing else to make him think that this place was haunted, but it was just his gut feeling all the same. Then one day, he goes on a walk out the kitchen and happens to look in the mirror that's hung on the back wall in the living room, and standing behind him is the shadow man. He freaked out, like screams, and leaves the (gasps) house freaking out. He refused to go back in until Rue was there. He took the mirror down and he placed it in the basement and then proceeded to sage the house. After that, Rue hasn't seen the shadow man in our house again, though she admitted that she has caught glimpses of him outside from time to time. I've come to think of him as being one of her guardian spirits. Recently, she has seen the shadow man loitering outside of her house a great deal, and I think he managed to even get inside once. One day, her daughter was happily playing and then looked into the corner of the room, put a finger on her lips, and went, shh before giggling. Oh, (laughs) So scary. Wow. Rue called her boyfriend Tyler and he came home and he saged the house all over again. I don't feel the sage did a good job this time. <laughs> I know I'm not alone in the house sometimes, but I never feel like anything evil is there or wants to hurt me. Considering recent events that have happened since Rue and Tyler have broken up now – I now understand why the shadow man had a dislike for her now ex. The pregnancy most likely upset it because Rue can't simply cut ties with this ex now. The shadow man also seems to have a fondness for our cats. Oh! I once heard a voice go, Kitty kitty. Oh! That's gonna be me as a ghost. Kitty kitty. <laughs> as my roommate's ginger walked into her bedroom, the cat didn't seem to be spooked by that. It actually started purring. Oh! Oh! These are two of the less scary experiences that I have. If you ever want to hear more, I'm glad to share. Hope you're both having a great day, Ryan. Wow. There's – I don't even know where to start
0: with this. It feels like – okay, we're going to start with – um, I guess we. I. Me. Uh, the first experience, Ryan's dreams. Mm-hmm. It, to me, feels like he was astral projecting but had no control over it. Yes. So it was this, like, his body leap – or his soul leaving his body, which, like – is a weird falling out of your body experience. And he was dreaming it and he was just disconnected from his living physical being. And he just never was capable of controlling that. And thank goodness he has this guardian who was able to pull him back. I know.
1: It makes me really curious. Okay, remember Insidious how the kid gets lost in the Do i and
0: he's yes. wandering around?
1: It also, but then there's all these other like evil spirits that are kind of approaching him and trying to take. Trying to get into the body. And the fact that Ryan would see that kind of shadowy figure that was like, if you go, I'll go. It makes me think that every single time Ryan would enter the astral plane, it would be at this one particular spot. And that there was this darker being that was always just kind of shoving him over. And so he just had the same experience every single time. And the more aware Ryan became of that experience, the quicker and harder it was. Because the consciousness was becoming like present in the astral plane right oh my gosh
0: how cool though i mean okay because that all could have happened and he could have seen the woman's face in the closet and that could have been that but how cool that ryan's friend came over and was able to like through their Mm -hmm. spirit guide
1: give ryan answers how handy to just have a spirit that's like hey let me whisper in your ear that there's some lady standing (laughs) in the corner." I know. Like, we all need a friend always, with a spirit yes, guide. Always in the know. You know what else I think is nice? I think the tree and the outstretched arm, the visual of it is probably quite scary and was when Ryan was experiencing it. But at the same time, it's kind of I don't I don't know. It's kind of lovely that it's like the matriarch of the family, the family tree, and then there's this like one mother earth like basically coming out and saving you, helping you keep your life.
0: And the reason it was just an arm is because the grandma was in our plane trying to bring him back but she had to reach her arm out into the astral plane to help him. Ooh, ooh. So like that's why in the it, that's why in the <laughs> astral plane he only saw the arm and that's why in the real physical plane that he lives in that we all live in he only saw the head oh because gosh. her body was sticking through.
1: Ooh, ooh. ooh I have full chills. <laughs> ooh. Ooh, ooh, ooh. Yeah. Oh, my god! Yeah, and literally, like, yeah, her whole body was back in the astral plane when she peeked her head back through the closet. Wow. It's just bits and – she's got bits and pieces here and there. She's floating around. Wow. around.
0: And then as for Ryan's roommate, Rue's experience, I feel like – yeah, we've talked about it a bunch where, you know, figures appear but don't have the power to, like, appear fully, and so they look like mm-hmm. shadow people. But, like, it does sound like it is a protective good spirit who just – is a little bit mean to these guys because perhaps the spirit knows what's going to happen yeah. or knows that they're not good for Rue. And so, I mean, the fact that cats like the, the, the cat, shadow yeah, man. You're right.
1: The fact that the cat was purring makes makes yeah. me also believe that it must be a better entity or a, a spirit. But yeah, at first, I guess pre-cat purring, because we are big trust your pets people. Yeah. I was thinking of the case you covered last episode when we did another dominus possessions Mm -hmm. uh where that woman like basically got stockholm syndrome and befriended her demon yeah
0: yeah it does sound different though because this kind of reminds me of stories where like a loved one will come back Mm. in dreams and be like hey don't be with this person or like we've also read stories where I love when we'll a loved one will visit, like, a boyfriend or a significant other and be like, you better treat
1: her right, you know? This is also making me wonder if it's less to do with how someone died or the amount of energy that they're able to, like, expel when showing themselves. And now I'm curious, and for anyone else who believes in, like, reincarnation, I wonder if you if- – you have to live so many lives to like. The more lives you live, the more capable your spirit is of oh, showing itself, manipulating time, space, whatever. It's more of like a practice sort of or, situation.
0: The more lives you live, the less powerful you become over time because the more like you're you're becoming you're not a, li- you're not in the aft for life as long. I don't know.
1: What, do I, what I am I know. saying? No, I'm kind of into that. Like like it's the reverse. Like you're you're becoming more of like a higher being from yeah. the lives you've lived and your frequency is becoming a bit different you're separating enough from the human form that now you're just kind of like this blur until eventually you're you're not interacting with humans on earth i don't know where you go but
0: right or you're immediately reincarnated or you have less to do in the in between world, so mm. you just go i don't know i don't know we'll find out one day and yeah and uh, stay tuned for next week's episode, people. Oh, yeah. It's a good It's uh, a good one. Tease. <laughs> hmm. I have a story from Samantha, and it's called My Personal Reaper. Hi, ghouls. I'm Samantha. I'm 25 years old, and I live in Virginia. I've been listening to your podcast for a few weeks and just got to In the Dark, where you talk about the hat man. Well, I've only had one paranormal encounter in my life. And when I heard that episode, I felt like I had to tell you my story. This is the tale of when I met death and lived. This story takes place when I was 12 years old. At that time, I was living primarily with my mom and I was a bubbly and energetic kid who literally would never stop talking. Halfway through the school year, I caught a case of what my mom thought was the flu and I stayed home from school and days passed, but I just kept getting worse. My fever spiked to 104.5. I was starting to lose my eyesight and my hearing, and I had a splitting headache that made me so nauseous I couldn't eat. I spent a month in and out of the hospital and doctors couldn't figure out what was wrong with me as I kept getting sicker. I thought I was going to die and my mom had the same fear. Toward the end of that month, I was out of the hospital for a bit, and my mom was caring for me at home while I slept almost the whole day not moving. One afternoon, I woke up from a nap to see a figure standing in my doorway. He was as tall as the door and wore a long brown trench coat and a brimmed hat. When I looked closer to make out his facial features, I realized he didn't have any. He was just a shadow. I knew instantly that I was looking at death the one that was going to take my spirit away. But I felt absolutely no fear. As I stared at him, he lifted his hands and beckoned to me as if to say, come with me. I silently shook my head and thought, no, not yet. And he tipped his hat to me and then disappeared from my doorway. Since that vision, I think about death almost every day. I'm highly sensitive and always looking for meaning in my life. And I'm certain that seeing my hat man or death has changed me deeply. I guess he recognized the strength of my spirit or my resolve and gave me more time. Not sure. Well, I hope you enjoyed my tale. Since listening to your podcast, my eyes are open a little wider and I look a little harder for another glimpse of that world. Thank you for all you do and see you on the other side, Samantha.
1: This is so interesting because death arrived to her door, but then also knew that it wasn't her moment. So I'm like... What's the purpose? Was she just enough in this state where, like, maybe death always kind of shows itself to people when they're getting close to a point, but she was just in this, like, feverish state where she could actually see and interact with death?
0: Yeah. Or are there certain cases where, because Samantha had been dealing with so much pain for so long, mm-hmm. it death appeared and was like, do you want to leave
1: this life? And Samantha said no. Oh, my God. I have – I don't – I feel like I'm going to cry. Like, my body is prickly with goosebumps.
0: (laughs) I'm also just so curious. I mean, did they ever figure out what was going on with Samantha? I mean, she's 25 now, so it sounds like she's much
1: better and got over that. But it's so scary for months. Oh, man. I know, for months. That just – yeah. I feel like you just rocked my world with the the – (laughs) the <laughs> world giving the option for people to take their pain away or not. But then
0: it's like, okay, I don't know if that's necessarily true because then you hear of like, you know, other sad stories of people who are in pain for so long. Mm-hmm. And
1: there is no reprieve or you know, right? Maybe it's just entirely random. I, I guess we'll never really know.
0: I guess we'll never know.
1: But my gosh, I mean, at least death comes polite knocks, wears a top hat, really. Yeah. Yeah. Knox tips his hat. Yeah. Has it together. True businessman. I like that.
0: It's so interesting. Well, now I'm thinking about the episode we're recording for next week too now, because it's like, it's so interesting, like where people, you know, how, when I'm sleeping, I feel like I'm more inclined to see or experience things because I'm just in this like relaxed state and Mm -hmm. my conscious mind isn't, you know, impeding with my subconscious mind or whatever it is. I feel like that's very similar with like on the brink of death you're just in a more vulnerable open space right have you
1: seen the movie soul yet yes i have okay i couldn't remember but i just always think about that the sign thrower guy who is just meditating the whole time he's working and he's just in the actual plane just so aware of life I need to get better at meditating. I'm so bad at it. I'm not great at it either. But you know what's an interesting urge that I have? I feel like every time I feel like I need to like meditate and be connected, I just feel like I have to be on grass. Like I have to be on ground. Oh, whoa. I feel like I'm way better and way quicker to that result and result of feeling more connected and and being able to like slightly meditate if I'm on earth. But for some reason, I cannot do it if I am just on concrete. Interesting. That kind of makes
0: sense, though, because it's, like, not natural. You're not really connected to the ground. You're connected to something that man put there.
1: More synthetic, yeah. And the earth gives off energy, so maybe it's just channeling energy a little bit more into my body. It's easier. What if you meditate over, like, a bed of quartz? (sighs) What if I am Avatar the Last Airbender? (laughs) That's where you go to. (laughs) What if I'm Santa Claus. <laughs> uh, actually, if anyone has seen Avatar Last Airbender, which is only like two seasons and it's on Netflix now. So if you didn't watch it as a child, you can watch it now.
0: Mm-hmm. But
1: the other day, I was in my apartment when I was still living in Beacon Hill, and there's a little kind of alleyway that cuts through to the bars into the main street right next mm-hmm. to my old building. And this group goes by, and it's like 10 p.m. on Saturday. And this group goes through the alley, and it's it's a little tunnel. And so one of the guys starts singing the song from Avatar: The Last Airbender. They go, <laughs> "Secret tunnel, secret tunnel," and no one else in the group started singing with him. And I was so tempted to open up my door. You like, should <laughs> have the song.
0: That He's would like, have been uh, amazing.
1: Outing myself as a '90s kid. Nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with that. All right. I have an email from our listener, Alex, and it's titled, A Civil War Soldier Lives in My Basement. Oh. That's so cool. That's interesting. For for a minute, when it started, she wrote, Hi, Ghostesses, Leia and Nick. But in my brain, it said, Hi, Sabrina, Leia and Nick. And I was like, what the hell? Oh. (laughs) No, but we – I'm included. Okay. Hi, <laughs> ghosts. this is Leah and Nick. I just discovered your podcast a few weeks ago, and I am so happy that I found a community of believers in all things spooky and paranormal. When I was 13, my family moved to a new construction house in the middle of the woods in Maryland. My game room slash TV room was in our basement. From the moment we moved in there, I always sensed a presence. There was always this darkness lurking down in the dead end of the hallway that led to two storage rooms and a bathroom. I was always afraid to go down there alone, and I would run up the stairs to escape the scary every time I went back (laughs) upstairs. One day, I was home alone during the day, and I was in one of those storage rooms looking through my dad's DVD collection. I heard a noise coming from the bathroom and turned to the door to see a full-bodied apparition of a man carrying what looked like a gun, wearing a military uniform, and walking from out of the bathroom and down the hallway. I froze, trying to convince myself that it was my dad. I ran out of the room. I turned down the hallway. Nothing was there. I ran upstairs. No one was home. And a few years later, a friend and I decided that we should use a Ouija board in the basement on Halloween. Oh, no. We talked to a friendly spirit named Cedric that told us that he had died in the Civil War and the name of the battle that he had died in. I made the connection between the spirit that I'd seen a few years prior. And we also talked to another spirit who died in the 1920s and warned both of us of a dark spirit named Michael. Oh! Fortunately, Michael never made an appearance but his existence in our basement made sense considering some of the dark energy that i'd been feeling for years. Thanks for reading my story. Stay spooky and see you on the other side. Alex.
0: Okay, Alex's basement is a hot spot of spirits. I know it's popping. Um, i love and also hate that they had so many great conversations with people on the Ouija board. I'm glad it was all positive because knowing that Michael, this bad spirit was lurking just nearby, means things could have gone south real quickly.
1: Yeah. And it's also, I just feel like there are times when you play a Ouija board with friends where you're uncertain of the validity of what you experienced. Like, was it just someone else making it up? Was Mm -hmm. someone pushing it around? But I feel like this just felt so real because one spirit is just warning them of another darkness, dark entity, basically taking the opportunity to be like, girls, protect yourselves. Yeah. And then the other one, Cedric, like, tells them about himself and the battle in which he died in. And, you know, there are plenty of people who pay closer attention in school and are history (laughs) buffs. But if if I was using a Ouija board in Vermont and there was an entity that was like, I died in battle, the only war I know of is 1812 and literally nothing else. So I feel like I never would have been able to make up a factual war
0: and well it's the civil war but then there's like specific battles within it like i don't remember all the types of battles like no i'm i want to i want to know more alex can you secretly tell us the name of the battle if you remember because i want to do research and find out who cedric is because that is what's so cool about this story is like they got the spirit's name and Mm -hmm. the battle that he had died in so it's like you could very
1: easily look up and find Cedric. This is also interesting because it's such an active haunting. The way that Alex described seeing him, I was almost like, oh, is it a residual haunting? Or is it this, like, this spirit, the Civil War ghost that's kind of doesn't realize he's dead or doesn't realize that there's yeah. a whole house around him and he's just kind of reenacting some of his final moments? Right. But he's on the board being like, yeah, man, I died in this Yeah, battle. he's talking. I'm hanging out. My name's Cedric. What's up? okay though
0: i do have okay this makes me wonder so many things about the 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 afterlife two things it could be he's a very active spirit but that doesn't exclude the possibility that he also has a residual haunting in existence like his marching with the gun could be a residual haunting of like moments before he died but he still exists as a spirit you know Sure. And then two, if it's not a residual haunting in combination with his real spirit, why do certain spirits like continue to live out the moments of their death? You know, like why yeah. is he carrying a gun in the afterlife? Can't he get rid of the gun? Can't he change that his out of
1: outfit? His, yeah, soldier it, uniform. It just
0: begs so many questions that obviously we don't have answers for. But I'm just so mm. curious.
1: Yeah, and. I know that you haven't seen the full show, and neither have I. But that show, Ghosts on BBC, I've Hell only yeah, seen the very first episode. But there is one spirit in the collection of spirits that haunt this house. That every every day at like midnight or something, she just can't help it. Her spirit has to go jump out of the the window because that's how she died. And she just like she has no control over it. She just Whoa. <laughs> falls out the window. Just Her, has she's to brought through it. So maybe it's something like that where it's just. There's certain timing that it's just automatic and you can't change what happens in those few moments. Just like you couldn't Interesting. You weren't in control. Oh, that's that's so now I want to be in
0: the ghost perspective and it's like all of a sudden your body like you lose control of it and you yeah. lose control. I mean, it's a soul I guess at that point, but you lose control of your energy.
1: Yeah, you're just on a roller coaster. You're just on autopilot taken through the car wash, just sitting there observing, no control over wow when or wow. what you're doing.
0: So fascinating. Okay,
1: I have a story
0: from Elle, and it is called My Cardian Angel. Hey, ladies. I have always attributed my luck and great life to my first guardian angel, my grandmama, who passed long before I was born. However, I am writing you today in regards to another angel of mine, my husband's grandfather, who we called Pop Pop. He was an amazing man, always ready to help with anything he could. He was quiet, but if you sat close enough, he'd have you laughing with his quick zingers. Unfortunately, he got cancer and passed while I was in the process of receiving IVF for our first child. While I was pregnant, I was driving on a lightly wet highway ramp. It had just began to rain when I lost control of my car. My car jumped the curb and dropped about a foot down to the highway shoulder. My car should have continued into the onco- oncoming cars traveling at highway speeds where I would have gotten T-boned, but somehow my car defied physics. I landed in the shoulder, completely turned around, so my car was backwards on the highway, facing the cars that would have hit me. I felt like I wasn't alone in that moment. I truly felt pop Up was watching over me, and since then, if I'm running late and I want a parking spot, I ask pop Up, and every single time he pulls through. The most recent time, I pulled into the very full parking lot and realized I forgot to ask. So I said out loud, oh, pop pop, I forgot to ask you for a parking spot. Sure enough, I turned to the next lane and the very first spot was open. So maybe he's my guardian angel. My mother-in-law and her siblings talk about how they could ask him for guidance in difficult situations or to watch over their children. And I gotta say, pop is definitely busy watching over us, keeping us safe and giving us parking spots. Most people get to rest in the afterlife, but Pop is not one of those people. However, I like to think he's happy that he gets to keep helping us. L. P.S. Jersey shout out two eighty seven was the highway that I didn't die on.
1: Whoa! Oh my gosh! Okay, well, really lucky to have Pop. So lucky, be the Cardian angel because I like yeah, defying physics on the road. That could have been that could have been so incredibly horrendous. Yes. devastating and could not be here too could be yeah yeah. oh my gosh it's hard for my brain is like glitching being like oh my god it's so scary what happened to Mm l but now she's got a cardian cardian angel helping her amazing honestly the parking spot situation is kind of ideal that's so ideal
0: there's nothing worse than not being able to find a parking spot I've actually had a few times where I've prayed to my grandma asking her for a parking spot. Really? And it's usually it's usually I haven't done it in a long time because now I have a parking spot where I live, but it there were a few times where I had to go to the bathroom so bad after sitting in like an hour and a half of traffic to get home from work.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And the trap and the parking around my old apartment was like so horrendous. That I would pray to my grandma and I'd be like, please help me find a parking spot so I
1: don't pee my pants. And she came through. Wow. Man, I guess I need to start praying for prayer. <laughs> <laughs> I usually just pray when I'm on an airplane and there's turbulence. Yeah, that's always scary. Yeah, no, this is a good this is a good use of uh, connection to the other side. May yeah. as well let it benefit you a little bit. A little bit, yeah. Okay. I have an email from our listener, Anne Louise, and it's called Two Dreams, Paris Catacombs and an Evil Mother-in-Law. Oh. Hello, lovely ghostesses. This is my first time writing in, although I'm forever thinking of how to write all of the stories that I have to share with you. I've been listening to the podcast for over a year now, and I've introduced my hairstylist and my daughter, who lives in Brisbane, Australia, to your podcast. Oh, my gosh. Pyramid Scheme. Sadly, these are the only two people in my world who are into all things ghostly. But can we say hello to my daughter, Saskia? This will make her year. Hi, Saskia. <laughs> hello. 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 No, that's British. Oh, oh my gosh. gosh. Oh, <laughs> no. I'm, no, shame. 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 <laughs> never you were going Pirates of the more. Caribbean
0: too. You were like, hello, puppet. <laughs>
1: that's too good we're totally keeping I'm that Nigel keep it Thornberry. in <laughs> i'm sorry Ap- apologize uh, apologize jesus what is happening to me honestly so Skea, you point, broke her in i don't care where you live i'm just sorry sorry to everybody out there <laughs> this what's happening okay let me stick we'll to move the script on. R- yeah words not words yeah. out of my own brain. okay <laughs> I became a Patreon donor last October because I started feeling guilty for all the hours of entertainment you provided me with for free. That's so sweet. Oh, that's really nice. I love this podcast so much. I love the two of you so much, and I wanted to give something back. Because I'm on Patreon, I learned last week that your next episode topic is global hauntings, and I wanted to share my global haunt. So without further ado, let's talk Paris catacombs. I visited Paris in September of 2017, and oh, did I ever fall in love with this city. One of the things I really wanted to do while I was there was visit the catacombs. So I stood in line with my mother, my companion for the trip, in the hot Paris April sun for over two hours, and it was so worth it. One of the reasons you have to stand in line for so long is because they stagger the entrances, so when we were finally able to enter and descend the stairs into the tunnel, we found that we were alone with the people ahead of us, far along in front of us, and no one yet behind us. It was so awesome. The catacombs did not disappoint, but far from feeling scary or haunted, it was actually rather a peaceful place. Seeing all of the skeletons, the skulls, etc. was somber, a sad experience, but not scary. I took loads of photos, captured nothing, felt nothing, I think what struck me most was how death is a great equalizer. Once you are but skeletal remains, nothing distinguishes you from any other. The rich mixed in with the poor, the kings with the paupers, the priests with the prostitutes. None of it mattered. One day we will all be this anonymous. It's sobering. Oh my gosh. It's kind of beautiful. <sighs> I need to pick up journaling after this episode. She is <laughs> feeling a lot of things. <laughs> Anyway, after about an hour and a half or so of wandering, we ascended the 112 steps back up to the world of the living. We came out through a little gift shop, excited, and my mother and I sat down on the bench just outside of the gift shop. We are old, after all. (laughs) And I noticed while sitting there... That i had a stone of something stuck to the tread of my shoe i pulled it out after a little bit of wiggling and realized i had inadvertently brought up with me a piece of stone or possibly even a piece of bone <gasps> what i'm still not sure what it was it was hard like a rock but it's patina very much had the look of old bone because it had hitchhiked out of the catacombs on my shoe i did not even think of returning it or leaving it there outside of the catacomb shop but I happily put my little souvenir into the pocket of my purse and thought nothing more of it. When I finally returned home to South Carolina, I spent several days unpacking and it was a week or so before I found the little catacombs hitchhiker. I placed it in a little mesh drawstring bag and I put the bag in the drawer on my bedside table. A few weeks later, I was digging through that drawer for something. I saw it and thought to myself, who knows why? Let me put it on top of the bedside table while I sleep tonight. And that night, I had a terrifying dream. I dreamed that I was in a house in Paris and a very tall, narrow house, old and dark. I was young, maybe 17, and I was French, pretty with long, dark, wavy hair, and I knew it was not modern times, maybe the late 1700s or early 1800s. I was standing at the top of the very steep staircase wearing a long white nightgown. It was dark, and from the bottom of the stairs, something flew up at me with a whoosh. <sighs> Fast and terrifying, this angry thing screeched at me and came directly to my face and then into me- I knew it was the ghost of the little girl at the top of the stairs who was simultaneously me, and then I lost my balance. I fell down the long, steep flight of stairs, and it's hard to convey in words how real and terrifying this dream actually felt. I woke up so scared that whoosh stayed with me, and it didn't dare move for a long time. I felt something still in the room with me, and I just somehow knew that it was the girl who was attached to whatever it was that came out of the catacombs with me, and that her ghost was showing me her death. I have never, ever slept with that mesh bag on top of the nightstand again. I still have it, but it is safely kept in the drawer, and I've never had that dream or any dream of that girl at the top of the stairs again. My second dream I want to share is not of a global haunting nature, but I wanted to share it since I am on the topic of dreams. This happened one night just a few months ago. I have had sleep paralysis a handful of times, but not recently until this particular night that I was laying on the left side of my body with my back to the edge of the bed, and I woke up in the middle of the night to the sound of something making a horrifying noise. Think of the noise of that ghost in the grudge. I can do it. Uh (laughs) That horrible, scary, sound. (laughs) I could feel something just behind me, but could not move. Honestly, I think I would just simply perish in this moment if I heard that croaking noise. From behind you, too? No. Anyone who's had sleep paralysis knows this frustration, awakening to the knowledge that there is something there, bad, and in a dark room with you, and being unable to move or confront it or to scream for help. And this thing went on with its noise. And I went on, unsuccessfully trying to move and scream. However, incrementally, inch by inch, I managed to turn over enough just so I could see what was there. There was this old, wrinkled, evil-looking woman propped up at the head of the bed, staring down at me with hate in her eyes. Oh? The crazy thing was that I recognized her as my (gasps) ex-mother-in-law, grandmother to my children, looking far older and far more evil than she ever had in life. I managed to force myself out, scream, and yelled, Get away from me, you bitch! And the spell was broken. She disappeared, and the noise went with her. I could move, but again, I was too scared to actually get up to turn the light on or do anything for quite some time. I thought my husband, who was in the other room, might come running. My scream had been so loud, but he did not. That noise that she made and that image of her face stayed with me for weeks, and I dreaded going to sleep for a while. But the crazy thing about this dream is that a few days later, I was talking to my son in his 20s, who lives in New York, and I mentioned that I had this terrifying dream about his grandmother, and he said, wait, when? So did I. What? Two nights after my dream, he had sleep paralysis, and he woke up to the figure standing outside of his bedroom door. He could not move. He could not scream, and the figure was menacing. It began to move closer into the room, and all he could do was watch As it moved to the light coming from the window, he realized that it was his grandmother with the most evil look on her face just staring at him. Somehow the spell broke. He screamed aloud and she disappeared. We were both so freaked out by having similar dreams that were so close together. We tried to think of what she might have been trying to tell us. Was she in a bad place? Did she hate us? She didn't when she was alive. But... Did she need help? We haven't been able to figure it out, but neither of us had another visitation from her and pray like hell that we don't. I'm not sure I've managed to capture the terror of both of these dreams. Uh, you have. Cir- yeah, I think so. Yeah. It is 95 degrees outside and I'm freezing cold right now because this is so scary. But regardless, the circumstances of each are pretty bizarre and thus I thought worth sharing with you and if you do feel this warrants reading on the podcast. Mm-hmm. Everyone who writes always apologizes for their story being too long. I think mine might be too short. Oh. I want to hear more, Sophie. Yeah, always. I have attached a picture of the bone slash stone from the catacombs which you are welcome to share if you wish we will thank you both for all that you do you are so very appreciated see you on the other side and louise okay that's for sure a bone that's like that is a bone that's
0: a bone and louise you should take it to a doctor or someone to who can figure
1: out what part of the body it is i feel like that's a little ankle bone don't you think ankle interesting if it was lodged in her shoe i feel like it's smaller than we're thinking it is in this photo that's true but i don't know enough about the the bone structure to know
0: what that would be i mean Anne louise you had a dream of this little girl and her death and
1: i'm shocked and it's also so horrible that that girl died by falling down the stairs i know it's terrible Oh, yeah. It's very – it's all very sad, and it's also a really scary experience to be so disoriented and feel like you are someone else, but yet their souls like, rushing up to you. Yeah. It's all dark, and it's unfamiliar. Okay, but I have two thoughts. One, mm-hmm. if you ever go back to
0: Paris, Anne Louise, you should bring this back with you and return her to the catacombs, maybe, possibly. Or two – It would be interesting to try to sleep with it again on your bedside table to see if she visits again, if you can make more contact with this young girl and, I don't know, learn more about her. It's kind of like my desire to, like, get in touch and your desire to get in touch with our past lives and, like, learn more about it. Mm -hmm. Like, you have this access to a spirit
1: who might want to tell you more about her life. But it was so It was so frightening, the experience. And not to not to make anyone else the victim here, but like I don't know. Do you have anyone coming into town? Maybe staying in your guest bedroom, (laughs) just
0: (laughs) unwillingly. (laughs) Oh my (laughs) god! No, it's so much better because Anne Louise would know what to expect. Corinne, I'm never sleeping over at your place ever. Oh
1: please, I have there's.
0: What it's antiques fine. are you gonna put on my bedside table that I'm not aware There's of? There's like just a million d-
1: crystals everywhere. Cause me
0: nightmares.
1: No, you're fine.
0: Until you sneak something onto the bed. <laughs>
1: no, 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 no. The other day I, I, <laughs> I don't like, trust you. <laughs> I, I can't remember what I was saying, but I I like jokingly, I guess not really jokingly, but like basically called Brian my protector. I was like, oh, my protector. And he was like, You're a protector. You're the protector with all your knives and crystals. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, yep. He's not wrong. Yes. But, okay, this version of her mother-in-law, because I was thinking that her mother-in-law in life, I was ready for Anne Louise to be like she was a terrible person. We had a horrible relationship. I know. That's what I was expecting, too. But it was so shocking to them because yeah. mother-in-law liked them. Like It's weird. And the fact that she came to both Anne Louise and her son within a couple of days, it does kind of feel like she was trapped somewhere, like yeah. something bad was happening, and she was trying to reach out for help. But she was just in this horrible, terrifying state where she... Yeah, it,
0: it kind of reminds me of Haunting of Hill House where it's like yeah. this haunting that seems terrifying, but it's actually just a, it's a call for help or it's like mm-hmm. a plead for something. Or, I mean, the alternative is it is a terrifying haunting and there's a an evil entity that's mimicking her mother-in-law and her son's grandmother and... Trying to terrify them with something that they knew. Right. Or someone they knew.
1: And I don't want to be like, oh, let's think the worst of what happened to your mother in law's soul. Cause, cause I hope obs- that's not the case. It's yeah. Upsetting to hear. But also, after we just read that one email about falling and like basically being stuck somewhere in the astral plane and other beings being able to take over, I wonder if, if she is being like, manipulated and used by oh. an evil entity that's kind of oh, you know, half controlling not. her and her will to to get help and to like find her loved ones and find that connection again was strong enough in those moments that she was able to visit Anne louise and her son but otherwise she's in this like horrible that's awful to think yeah, about i really hope it's not the case
0: same and if
1: it is like what
0: do you what can
1: you do how do you how do you try to help I don't know, but do you remember a few encounters ago, or maybe it was in a regular episode, we read one email where our listener was, like, riddled with darkness and had this evil entity attached to her. And I think it was her boyfriend's mom traveled to the astral plane and rid her of this creature and, like, wouldn't talk about what it looked like because it was so dark and so creepy – So I feel like you need someone who has that ability, like maybe a shaman or some spiritual healer or practitioner or someone who's just like really in tune and, and has the ability to do that. Where to find them? I don't know.
0: I don't know either. And I wish I were like that confident and cool and capable in my abilities in the astral plane to be able to do that.
1: Yeah. To wander around, to have actual control over where you go and who you see, and then to battle demons. It's like Ed and Lorraine Warren,
0: who I am constantly, rest in peace, but like constantly mesmerized by the tales and like the experiences and things that they put themselves through in order to
1: help others. Yeah, they just sought the most horrifying situations throughout their entire life. Normally, most people run from those situations, but my gosh, yeah. Wow. So fascinating. Okay,
0: I have a story that is from Melissa. It is called Voodoo Doll Nightmare. Hello, ladies. My name is Melissa. I'm a big fan of your podcast, and it makes time at work go by fast. I am originally from Haiti. I am familiar with the voodoo religion, although I do not practice it. But my grandparents do. So this is the story of how my uncle almost killed me because of a dispute with my dad. My dad and uncle do not get along. They have had an ongoing feud for as long as I can remember. Just like the Dia de la Muerte, voodoo practitioners celebrate the Days of the Dead by having some ceremonies, cooking food, and offering them to the Lua. That day, I woke up with a mild neck ache, to which I complained to my mom, and she dismissed it as probably me sleeping badly, and we went on with the day. My grandma had invited a voodoo priestess to our house and was getting everything ready for her ceremony when the priest took notice of us observing as innocent bystanders and told her that there was a bad spirit attached to my neck and was causing me pain and proposed to help chase it away. The moment this man put whatever mixture he had in a bowl on my neck, it seemed to aggravate whatever demon that was squeezing my neck and the pain escalated a hundred times worse. He then told us that this was normal and that by the end of the day, I should be fine. But oh my gosh, boy, oh boy, was that man wrong. By the afternoon, I was on my bed in tears, unable to support this agonizing pain to the point where my grandma had to interrupt her ceremony and come check up on me. She stood in the doorway of my room and was just observing me really weirdly. And then she asked if I really was in this much pain or if I was being overdramatic, to which I literally screamed at her to make whatever this was stop. She told me to get dressed and to follow her. We headed towards the house of a Freemason that lived in my neighborhood. And the moment we arrived, the Mason told her that he was expecting us and that if she had waited any longer before coming to him, I would have been dead before sunrise. He allowed us into a room that had pictures of voodoo saints, bottles of rum, perfumes, and candles that littered the floor. He then proceeded to talk with the Lua and asked them for help. He started mixing leaves, perfumes, and other ingredients in a bowl and started patting it all over my neck. Once done, he then asked me to tell him about the dream I had the previous night. I looked at him confused because I couldn't remember for the life of me about what I had dreamed and I told him that. He told me not to worry, and that by the time I reached my house, I would remember. He then sent us on our way after briefly talking to my grandma, and explained to her that her son, my uncle, was the one who sent this evil spirit after us. I felt like I was breathing normal again. My neck had miraculously stopped hurting and was back to regular. And when we reached home, as soon as we got to the door, I was hit with the memory of the dream the mason was alluding to and broke down crying because of how terrifying this nightmare was. In the dream, we, my family and I, were running away from something while inside of the house. It was a two-story home, and for some reason, everyone was trying to make it to my grandma's room. It was her house, and if we made it there, we would be safe from whatever was hunting us. My sister and I were the last to go up the stairs. I was running in front of her, and she was right behind me when she fell down. Me, being the overprotective one, proceeded to push her in front of me, towards the room where everyone else was, and then I blocked the entrance from whatever was approaching with my body. Dumb idea. I don't know what pushed me to want to play the hero, but apparently Nightmare Melissa likes to volunteer as tribute. Going up the stairs was a little Raggedy Ann doll wearing a red dress. She was, for some reason, missing her head. A headless doll was walking slowly up the stairs, (gasps) No, as if a doll weren't terrifying enough. For each stair she went up, she grew an inch taller, and by the time she had reached us, she was huge and proceeded to open her arms and then hug me, and everything went black. I have plenty more experiences I'd love to share with you all, like the time I almost burnt myself to death twice. Melissa.
1: Wow. What a way to end.
0: <laughs> I know. A cliffhanger and also just, just no sign off, just the end, Melissa.
1: She gets hugged by a headless doll. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I mean, it clearly, it's a nightmare, but it was real, right? Like this something, the uncle sent this evil thing to the family. And because Melissa was the last to make it into the grandmother's room and decided to block the doorway with her own body, this entity latched onto her. I'm also imagining that like tale from Scary Stories
1: to Read in the Dark, I think, where there's the entity like piggybacking. Ooh, yes, it also makes me think of the. There's an American and a Jap- original, I think Japanese movie called Shutter, where there's yeah <gasps> the camera one. Yes, and it's just the the Ugh. spirit is just yeah attached Latched around on. the neck, like on the shoulders. It's so yeah. creepy. I'm very curious too about I don't know, just like voodoo and the ability to use like herbs and substances and things to like know what's happening, to find the cause of a haunting, to treat a haunting. Right. Well, especially because the first priest, the voodoo priest, whatever Mm -hmm. they did wasn't
0: correct, you know, and then because and had the grandmother not brought Melissa to the voodoo or to the Mason who lived down the street. Like, what would
1: have happened to Melissa? Oh, my God. I don't know. I just feel – I'm, like, wincing thinking of her pain when she was talking about how excruciating it was and how much it escalated throughout the day. The fact that she
0: had to go lay down in bed because she couldn't, like, support her own neck because it isn't so much pain.
1: Oh, God. Oh, horrible. So, so so And all I will say is,
0: like, I don't know what's going on with your dad and your uncle, and I'm so sorry that their feud had to be weighed on you and you had to be – the receiver of such a terrible experience but to anyone out there no matter how much hate you have in your
1: heart do not curse someone no don't send a demon after them no because yeah what the i feel like even if you're like oh i just want someone to have one day of bad luck you have no idea what that could look like yeah you don't know what it's gonna spiral into i feel like it's the classic tale of asking for one thing and it just being so so much worse i've just yeah, karma. Just don't do not do anything bad. Don't do it. Poor don't fine. do it, especially because you don't know. It
0: might go to someone else mm-hmm. that you didn't intend it to. Poor Melissa. Poor Melissa.
1: And also poor C, because C emailed and said, born with a demon. Oh, my gosh. Hey, ladies. I love the podcast. It's nice to hear a good paranormal discussion happening. I would like to tell a tale that is bound to terrorize some and make others scream. Oh, good. When good. I'm <laughs> what an intro yes when i was a young child i saw and experienced a lot of paranormal things i've seen a hellhound twice whoa once more, and I supposedly die, and have also seen a ghost light my house on fire. This <gasps> is not what I would like to talk about, though. When I was four or five, I would often have extreme nightmare slash terrors. You know what I realized? We kind of unknowingly did a sort of nightmare theme. Yeah, we kind of did. This encounters. Nightmare and like guardians and afterlife yeah. stuff. I would often have extreme nightmares slash night terrors. And it was even scarier due to the fact that I am a natural lucid dreamer. I would often dream of dark demonic creatures and death of myself and close loved ones. I would often sleepwalk during these dreams, often talking in what sounded like gibberish. I once woke up at the age of four in my grandparents' house holding a knife and attempting to stab a full chicken that was sitting out for dinner the next day. I would wake up outside, my shirt covered in mud and having no recollection of how I got there. My grandfather was an adopted Native American at a Native American tribe in Washington where we lived. He one day took me to have a purification ritual performed, and afterwards the nightmares diminished, and the odd occurrences stopped. Now, fast forward to high school, I was 16. Some friends and I went to a haunted location in Minnesota where I live now, and I told them that I am almost a magnet to the paranormal, and told them to be careful when going with me. Oh. We entered the rundown house, and it all started fine. We spent some hours having experiences through the house, and now comes the scary part. Around what we think is 11:15, everything changed. We were walking on an upstairs floor of the house when I suddenly fell to the ground. My friends all stopped in their tracks. I then proceeded to get up, head hanging limply with my chin on my <gasps> chest and shamble around. <gasps> oh, oh my gosh. This is making me think of the men in black guy who is in the skin suit. Oh, I began to talk in what sounded like gibberish to them, and this continued for a few minutes. 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 Not ten seconds. Minutes. Minutes. Eventually, though, the gibberish faded to a gradual, deep, guttural English that sounded like my voice, but extremely deep and gravelly. I began to race around the upper floor on all fours and two legs. No, 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 no. Apparently... Another voice, still not my own, began arguing with the other voice while Ah. I was running around. Oh my god, I hate this. Holy shit. I began to charge my friends and proceeded to bite one of them on the arm and the leg. And after what seemed like ages, my friends say that the deeper voice took over as if it was the one that won the argument. After thrashing on the ground for a few more minutes, I then went still. I woke up shirtless, scratched and bleeding, and I have no recollection of what happened. They told me what happened, and I was overwhelmingly stunned. We left the house, and I haven't spoken about the events since, but it gets worse. Later in high school, I went to Germany on a trip, and while visiting a church, was confronted by a German priest and was told that I have a strong demon inside of me that was suppressed by my own subconscious will. He then told me that if I ever gave in to the demon, that I would end up killing an enormous amount of people. (gasps) I eventually left that church knowing that this could be true. I cannot listen to prayers directly from a Bible while in church because it causes me physical pain. I know it sounds far-fetched, but it's the sad truth. Even to this day, I have nightmares of the demon, and sometimes it talks to me in my head. I just wanted to share my personal story with you and all the other listeners. Keep up the good work. See. See. All I'm saying. Is I
0: just watched Conjuring 3, and I really think you got to find a way to get rid of this demon.
1: Yes. It might be painful physically. You might black out. You might throw up. Yeah, you have to get this thing excised. That's To just have it lurking there, to just have it dormant, and you never know what could trigger it. And that is so horrifying. That's
0: the worst part.
1: Especially knowing now from the experience in this house that when it does present itself and it does come forward, it's not like there's much warning. C, it's extremely it's just, violent. Yeah, knocked out. Has no control, no memory. It's not like C can fight it. That's
0: horrifying. And C, I am so sorry that you had to go through this, but I'm also so sorry for your friends who had to witness this and experience it and probably not know what to do. And no. the that one of them
1: left with bite wounds. I also need to know – which demon C was left with? The one that was walking on two legs or the one on all fours? All four, it sounds like the all fours one. It kind of does. Also, where was this?
0: And how do we avoid it? It's in Minnesota. It's in Minnesota. Is it was it like a public haunted place or was it an abandoned haunted place that you guys just broke into? I yeah. wanna I wanna I wanna research this place and learn about it because it sounds like there are a bunch of demons festering.
1: Right. And while one left with C, another one If there's another one lingering, one did <gasps> not. Yes. Holy C. moly.
0: I'm I feel like we need to set up a
1: quarterly check-in with C just to make sure <laughs> C is okay. Seriously. Actually, this was sent in 2018. Oh, so I guess when we email C to say we read your we read your email, hopefully we'll get a a response, an update? an update. Yes. Oh man, scary! My gosh,
0: it's just like you never know. It could it like one day you're totally fine, and the next you're possessed by a demon.
1: Right. And yes, they were in a place that they knew to be haunted, but that could really happen anywhere. You could just be walking in the woods, hit a spot that you don't know is a demon hotbed, and then suddenly you're knocked out. And the thing is, too, yeah. that C subconsciously suppressed the demon, so really did some fighting to take C's body back. But what if, yeah. what if you don't get that opportunity? What if this is like literally Rick? You know, because Ugh. In, and when I say Rick, we're referring to the encounters we read at the end of episode twelve called Dominus. Because I'm thinking now about how the gibberish turned into actual speech. And the Rick situation was so weird and so bizarre, and I feel like if a demon spends enough time in a human body, like, it becomes a little bit more human human, or, like, capable to mimic what
0: humans uh. do.
1: So that's probably why, you know, parts of Rick were having English intelligible conversations, but then also slamming his head into the side of the wall and running miles at a time. Uh. It's very uncomfortable. So uncomfortable.
0: Okay. I'm excited about this one. <laughs>
1: Okay, this is
0: from Gail, and it is called Sad Story That's Totally Not Mine. Hello, I go by the title of Gail. My purpose in emailing you is to share a story as you encourage us to do in the podcast. I am definitely not a robot. Okay.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I don't know. You select these four images of a stop sign to verify (laughs) that you are human. I appreciate that,
0: but Gil continues to go on saying, sorry, I'm aware that was terrible. Let's try again. No, it was amazing. (laughs) Hello, ladies. I have a story. Well, it's not really my story, but when I was in high school, a ghost hunter came to my school in an assembly to talk about things and what it was like being a ghost hunter. That is so cool. I am sure you can see where this is going. After talking for a bit, he started accepting questions. I immediately knew what to ask, and my hand shot up. I sat like that for about 15 minutes before he picked me, and I asked what his scariest experience
1: was. (laughs) Great question.
0: As I asked, I could immediately see his expression change. He let out a forced laugh as he stated, Well, one time I was investigating an old home and my flashlight started to flicker. The end. That was so disappointing. That was the story? Well, anyway... As we started to leave the auditorium, all hell broke loose as everyone lurched for the doors. But me, being smart, decided to go around to the other side of the room and walk out of the emergency exit and walk around to the main doors. As I walked out, I saw the ghost hunter sitting on a bench, smoking a cigarette. I tried to be as incognito as possible and sneak around without him noticing, but of course it didn't work and he looked up at me. So I just pointed at the cigarette and said, those aren't allowed on campus. So he sighed and put it out on the ground. And then he patted the seat next to him and said, I didn't really tell the right story up there. I sat down and he continued. I think you deserved the real story. He continued by saying, I had just started as a ghost hunter and was having trouble finding clients when I got a call from a woman saying her home was haunted by a demon who was possessing her son. I got excited thinking I had found something. So I got to the house and started an investigation. I was staying in the house with them, and after a few weeks, I couldn't find any evidence of a demonic presence. I had suggested taking the son to a psychologist, doubting that he was really possessed, but there was just one thing that bothered me. It wasn't paranormal, but in the basement, there were four drains parallel to the walls and a large, circular drain in the center of the floor. Why would a house need that? We weren't near any water source, so it wouldn't flood that frequently— And one night, I was sitting up at night, and it was the last night that I was supposed to be there. The family came home and went upstairs, informing me they were going up and going to sleep. So I was sitting there, writing in my records of the investigation, when I heard footsteps coming down the stairs. Assuming it was one of the family, I asked if they needed anything, not looking up, but there was no response. So then I looked up to see maybe a seven-foot man with its eyes sewn shut and no mouth. Oh, no. The flesh of the man was yellowy and leather-like. His body was wrapped in what looked like mummy wrappings. Only his head was exposed. I couldn't move, and our eyes met. Well, not really, because he didn't have any. He said in a raspy voice, I'm not really sure how, since he didn't have a mouth, but he said, you know what he did to us. I fucking bolted and sprinted down the road to my car and drove. I had no idea where I was going, just anywhere away from that house. I had gone like 20 miles when I stopped at a gas station to use a phone. I called the family and told them what I had experienced, and they moved out that week. I did some research on the house, trying to figure out what the man meant. I knew what he did to them. In my research, I found out what it meant. One of the previous owners was a mortician who wanted a place that was a morgue, a funeral home, and a regular home all at once. That's what the drains were for. The basement was the morgue, the ground floor was the funeral home, and the upstairs was where he lived. He had opened his business in the home, and after about a month of working, he was arrested for doing inhumane testing on corpses.
1: Oh, my God.
0: He was tried and sentenced to six months in prison, and I'm sure the man I saw was one of the tests. He did that to them. And that's the end of Gail's email.
1: Holy crap. Okay, well, now I feel guilty because I was like, what in the core line? Like, this is so messed up. What is this thing? But now it's it's this poor soul that was— That had to watch its body be manipulated and mistreated by someone who that person's family entrusted with their remains i know it's so upsetting
0: and awful because it still happens today remember there was like that massive story maybe last year where like they found just like the terrible conditions in these in autopsy rooms and just like well there was that
1: one guy that was the one guy who was arrested for he was like frankensteining bodies yeah they were calling him like the human centipede Ugh guy. And I mean during COVID too, like there was a lot that was protocols were just thrown out the door yeah. because they were so many overcome bodies. Overcome with the number of yeah. yeah, bodies that they that they had. Jeez. Uh, it's
0: just so I'm curious what the hauntings were, like what the family was experiencing to think that their son was possessed. And was he possessed or was he just seeing all these spirits that were, you know, from this time and this horrible experience? Right. And also, I think it's so interesting how oftentimes in these experiences of stories with, like, ghost hunters and paranormal investigators, how they'll camp out in a house and they won't see anything or experience anything until the very last day. Like, this was the last day this ghost hunter was supposed to be there. And, of course, that's when he
1: saw something. I know. It's never immediate. I mean, sometimes I guess it is. But it's interesting that it even did happen at all. I guess maybe maybe the spirit just needed to feel him out. Mm-hmm. Or was suddenly aware that this was the moment and the moment was about to be lost if they didn't act on it. Right. I don't know. All so creepy. I can't creepy. even like seven feet tall too. That's that's what's confusing. I mean, people can be seven feet tall, but that just immediately makes me think of Frankenstein's body? Yeah. Or like yeah. I don't know, Slender Man. like all the tall and there I feel like there's so many tall cryptid creatures and spirits and entities. Yeah. It's either like really tall or really short. It's a five foot, or not five foot. That's my height. <laughs> <laughs>
0: it's like, that's not really true. That's us. <laughs> a, a three foot short. <laughs> we are so figure, scary.
1: Or a seven foot <laughs> half man, you know?
0: Yeah. I don't know. Very creepy. Yeah. Uh, yeah.
1: Okay. Well, I have one to end us on. This is from Chloe. Hey, yo. My name is Chloe, and I've only just started listening to your podcast. I'm on episode 11, lol, but I already love your content. Ah, I love all things creepy, despite being easily spooked and I've always had a fascination for the supernatural. You two have made work a lot easier to get through by fulfilling my ghost story needs while I stitch. Oh, how fun. So I suppose I should get into my stories. The first one happened to my mom when she was little, but it made me certain that things are not always as easily explainable as a gust of wind. My mom was present for an active poltergeist. She, her brother, and her mom were staying at a friend's house out of town when my mom was a kid. The entire time, they were your general spooky happenings, Books falling off the shelves, picture frames moving, etc. The real spooky thing happened when my mom and her brother went to bed. My grandma heard them yelling at one another, "'Stop pinching me! Ow! That really hurts!' Repeatedly. And when she came in, she found that not only were they on opposite sides of the room, but she actually saw their skin being pinched by nothing. It's safe to say that they never stayed there again, but I'm unsure how they got that resolved. My second story is far more recent as I'm still living it. And <laughs> we will be oh my for gosh. the next three months at least. My roommates and I are pretty sure our apartment is haunted, and we're lovingly naming our ghost slash apartment Holly for reasons I won't share as I don't want to dox us. This all started when I moved in about a week before my roommates. I very quickly noticed that the doors don't like to stay shut in places unless you don't want them to. At first, I chalked it up to it being an old building built in the 1800s, but it was getting spooky to be home alone and to hear the bathroom door aggressively fling open. In addition to that, my legs were getting covered in red welts when I slept at night, and they hurt like hell. I assumed and still assume that these are spider bites, as I found a dead spider in my shorts just before the welt stopped appearing. But it's still spooky and annoying. We also have never found a spider since, and I was the only one to experience anything like that. Flash forward, and two of my roommates move in, Arlen and Cole. Arlen's room is right next to the bathroom, and she frequently notices that the door is opening and closing throughout the night. Her own bedroom door does not stay closed either. Shortly after, we also realize that the bathroom door sometimes won't open when you need to leave the bathroom. That part, we've also had guests complain about when they come to visit us, joking that the ghost has once again locked them in the bathroom. Allison, our third and final roommate, moves in shortly after and immediately starts experiencing the same things, but we've already signed a year's lease and the place is old. We've committed. The spooky happenings don't end at the doors, though, as it gets weirder. Things fly off shelves. We joke a lot about the gravity of our apartment. It must just be really strong. But some of the incidents really are unexplainable. A bottle of club soda fell from the top shelf and burst all over the floor of the living room. A full bag of chips was knocked from the center of the table onto the floor where nobody was near. My airpods were thrown halfway across the room while we were trying to sleep. It's rough. So I do what any sane witchy person would do, and I sage the absolute pants off of the apartment. I meditate to clear my mind first, I sage while filling the space with positive energy, and my roommates and I have a game night to spark the positive energy. The ghost mellows out for a bit, only opening the bathroom door when no one's in there, and we carry on. The light bulb dies out in the living room, and a month later, Holly has revived the light in the middle of us studying. We think she's trying to be nice, and we thank her. Flash forward again. To when the vibes have just gotten absolutely vile, all of us are getting irritable, things are getting thrown around again, and our futon collapses on us. After getting a new couch, I've decided I've had enough, and I grab the sage and sage again. Same exact method I did before, but to get through the entire apartment, I had to relight the sage seven times. Our place is only about 900 square feet, and I've never had to relight the sage that many times. Oh. Anywho, that was a month ago. The ghost is mad now. No. Her behavior has not changed much, but I did have a mental breakdown, which kind of supports the idea that the ghost is unhappy with us. Our spooky happenings have been more frequent and more aggressive. I'm not sure how strongly this relates, but I also keep having nightmares about a murderer attacking and me being unable to save myself or my roommates. That brings us to now, it's May 1st, 11.30pm. Arlen and I found what looks like a couple spots of dried blood on the wall. (sighs) None of us know how it got there or what else it could be. There's a high chance that it isn't blood and there's a perfectly normal explanation, but I will be contacting the local witch shop and asking for their recommendations on dealing with an angry spirit. Thanks for taking the time to read and thanks for providing properly spooky content on the regular. I hope this one kept you spooked. I'll update you on what the ladies at the witch shop recommend and how it works for us here. Keep it spooky and don't anger any ghosts, Chloe. And there's pictures of the blood. Interesting. Yeah. She did attach pictures. And it totally, I mean, it does look like blood. It looks like, you know, when you like pop a pimple or like when you scratch at a, uh, I mean, these pictures of the blood are on the wall. But this is what it kind of reminds me of for a visual for everybody else. When you're like picking out a bug bite and it starts to bleed a little bit and it just smears off yeah. on the side and you have kind of like a streak of blood in this concentrated area.
0: I was also going to say it kind of looks like if you were to smush like a mosquito on a wall and like the blood kind of comes out of
1: it. Yeah. Yeah, totally. But then I feel like the mosquito would be there. Right. There is um another in that first photo. There's underneath the first bloody spot. There's kind of like a chunky, Ew. chunky blood chunk. I okay, I'm
0: very curious. I'm glad Chloe included that first story of the poltergeist mm-hmm. with her mom because I'm curious if a poltergeist follows Chloe's family. I mean, the fact that her grandma walked in and saw something pinching her mom yeah. and uncle, I guess, and just that there was nothing there and just saw pinch marks appearing on their like it's it's curious that a family would experience two separate poltergeists. Or maybe they just like attract poltergeists. I don't know.
1: It's either there's something following Chloe and just choosing when to present itself based on who else is around or I know. where they are. Or does Chloe's presence just awaken the spirit somewhere else? And there's just been a couple times where she's been in a space where there is poltergeist activity or a dark entity that's finally like, yes, I can grab her energy and go with it. Interesting. Very interesting, but very creepy. I don't
0: love it. And especially the fact that the sage went out. Like, I've never heard of that happening. And that it just made the ghost even more mad. It's like – It sounds like the ghost is,
1: like, yeah. very kind of powerful. The only time the sage has ever gone out on me is truly when I'm not having the patience to, like, appropriately, slowly walk around my home. And I'm just trying to, like, run through speed mm. sage and then the wind, like it's not the embers aren't aren't really staying lit. But otherwise, it doesn't. It's not as easy for it to just go out, especially in a nine hundred square foot apartment. I that's tiny. Yeah, that's a it's a small space. Yeah, it's your your vacuum will. I'm thinking of like you know how Dyson vacuums have the fifteen minute limit before you have to recharge them, mm-hmm. or at least they used to. I don't know anymore. But you can you can vacuum your whole space, so you should be able to stage your whole space.
0: Yeah, that's true. I like the, the, that comparison, Dyson and Sage.
1: <laughs> my two favorite things,
0: man. Oh, well, my favorite thing is reading your ghost stories. So please email all of them to us at two girls, one ghost podcast at gmail.com. I don't care what it's about. I don't care how long it is. It could be two sentences to 2,000 words or more. I, I don't know. Submit your thesis on spirits to us. I'll read it. We will read
1: it. Do it. Do it. Yes. We're into it. We want to hear them. And we freaking live for this, obviously. We do it every we do. week. So. <laughs> you can also support us in a few different ways. So you can join us on Patreon. You can look at us on social media. Follow us. We have a Facebook group you can join. We have Instagram, Twitter, TikTok is, is we have a few TikToks and it's going to be way more once I have Sabrina with me in New Orleans. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and you can do the pyramid scheme thing and just tell everybody about it in addition to rating and reviewing and subscribing on iTunes. Yes. Yes, yes, yes.
0: Real quick, thank you so much to Aiden Manning at Upfire Digital and everyone over there at Upfire Digital for editing our podcast. We are so grateful for all of your work. And we will. See you on
1: on the the other other side. side. Very smooth.